right, welcome in and welcome back to the Run of Hoops podcast, brought to you by Super Chicks. Now, I know there are many in the Ute fan base who claim to be chicken sandwich aficionados, but I'm not sure you can make that claim until you've had the last true chicken sandwich from Super Chicks. With locations in American Fork, Spanish Fork, and St. George, they've got all your chicken sandwich needs covered. Check out their menu online at superchicks.com, and remember, that is chicks with an X dot com. Okay, on today's episode, we will recap the running Utes win over Manhattan, we will preview the upcoming game against Missouri, and we'll spin you around the Pac-12 on what looked like a big weekend for the Pac-12 before the season started, but now, not so sure. But first, a couple of news and notes. UCLA's game against Alabama State earlier this week was canceled out of an abundance of caution related to COVID-19. Coach Mick Cronin was going to miss this game anyway for the same reasons, but ultimately they just decided to cancel it. Now, they've got a big game this weekend coming up against North Carolina, which is now in question. As of this recording, no decision has been made on that game. Washington's game against Gonzaga was likewise canceled, and that will not be made up. That's just a missed opportunity for the Huskies, though they certainly were not playing like a team that could hang with Gonzaga. Uh, One interesting thing to note about all of these cancellations, Utah did leave a non-conference game on the table and has a nine-day holiday break between their game against Fresno on December 21st and Oregon State on December 30th. So in theory, if someone had a game canceled, Utah could step in and play a game, which I think would make all of us fans pretty excited, especially if it were an in-state game or a Power 5 game, right? Like adding something at the last minute, would be really cool. So maybe we'll see that happen over the holidays. The Pac-12 has three teams in the AP Top 25, UCLA at number four, Arizona at number eight, and USC at number 11. Nobody else is even in the receiving votes category right now, so it is a very top-heavy league at the moment. And while that's not great for March, it certainly creates an opportunity for teams like Utah to make some hay as we head towards the bulk of our conference play. Arizona State picked up a nice win over Creighton this week. Looks like they are figuring things out. And remember, Creighton just beat BYU pretty badly. So Arizona State's now 5-6, and six, but they may be on the rise. Oregon State continues to have a head-scratching season as they lost to UC Davis to fall to 1-9 and nine on the year. Washington State led New Mexico State at times by double digits at home, but ultimately lost 64-61. to 61. The Cougars now have four losses on the year, and as the preseason darlings of the Pac-12, they are not doing themselves any favors if they want to try to get into the big dance. And finally, Tuck Clary of Busting Brackets put out his first power rankings of the year. You can find him at Tuck Clary, two R's in Clary, all one word, and at Busting Brackets on Twitter. Put out his first power rankings of the year in the Pac-12, He's got Utah at number six, and here's what the comment is on the running Utes so far. The Utes record is up for a little bit of scrutiny when you try when trying to guess the timeline for Craig Smith's team to return to competitive basketball. They've yet to beat a top 100 team, according to Ken Palm, and their loss to Texas Christian was their third double-digit loss against a top 100 team on the year. Smith has his team playing good defense, limiting opponents' three-point attempts and shooting percentage, 
Junior Brandon Carlson has continued to stand out on both sides of the court, averaging 13.7 points, 6 rebounds, and 2.2 blocks this season. So Utes coming in at 6, I think that's probably fair based on how they've played, based on how other people have played. No top 100 wins to speak of just yet, but some opportunities here as we close out 2021 and get into early 2022. All right. On to the Utes' win over Manhattan on Saturday. So the running Utes beat the Jaspers 96-62. As you would expect, the Utes did a nice job of bouncing back from the TCU loss. They had a really balanced attack. Lahatchoon had 16 points and 7 boards. Riley Batten did a nice job as well, scoring 14 points and grabbing 7 rebounds. Brandon Carlson and Booth Gotch also got into double figures, and everyone who played in this game scored, including... Harrison Creer, and I believe I had that. For the Jaspers, they were led by Romar Reed, who had 25, and this was really a breakout game for him. He was kind of a middling bench player, but he really came through for them. Josh Roberts and Warren Williams each had 11 points, but this one was really never in doubt. Utah led by 17 at the break and extended that lead by another 17 in the second half to improve to 7-3 on the season. The Utes now sit at 67 in the net rankings, which is 5th in the Pac-12. They're now 73rd in Ken Palm, which is good for 6th in the Pac-12. Obviously, there was a lot to like about this game, and I understand it was a mismatch. But we're going to go ahead and go through the list here. Dare I say, a breakout game for Lahat Chun. Understand all of the caveats here about Manhattan, but Lahat came out, he played hard, he played well, and he really allowed a guy like Brandon Carlson to not have to play as much, and he did all of that in just 13 minutes of court time. Riley Batten, another guy who gets off the milk carton in this game. 14 points and 7 rebounds, and he was 5 for 5 from the free throw line. He also hit a 3 in this game. And speaking of getting off the schneid, Gabe Madsen. Madsen finally knocked down a 3 in his Utah career. In fact, he got 2 of them, and he finished with 8 points on the night. I thought that they handled Manhattan's pressure really well. The Jaspers are kind of a scrappy team. They really put pressure on the running Utes, and I thought they handled it very, very well. Utah had 26 assists on 35 made shots, so that goes over the 20 assist average that Craig Smith is looking for. Six guys on the team had three or more assists in this game, so the assist game was working for the running Utes. They shot 58% from the field and 55% from behind the arc. Now, they've got to find a way to get that to translate on the road, but still, nice to see those numbers. And for a game against Manhattan, with a lot of empty seats, the energy really wasn't all that bad in the building. Now, they didn't have the Pac-12 trophy on display, so they're still not following my suggestions, but it was Superhero Day, and fans were treated to a free mask and cape, so there's that. As far as a bye game goes, though, I think this was a good one for Utah. It's a tough, hard-nosed team. They're well-coached. They're going to push you. They're going to put some pressure on you. This game was never in doubt, and certainly is better than playing a directional Idaho, but really liked Manhattan as a bye game. Also sort of makes you think that they're thinking outside the box a little bit when it comes to their non-conference schedule, which I think is something we can all appreciate. And finally, I really liked Josh Roberts for Manhattan. 
He's a transfer from St. John's, but you can just tell he's got a little something to him. I think I even tweeted out, like, wouldn't mind if he stayed behind and took that 13th scholarship this year. Really impressive player for the Jaspers. Now, in terms of things I didn't like, and these all come from a nitpicky perspective, right? When you nearly score 100, there's not a a ton to complain about, but Since we're talking about it, we'll complain about a few things. Utah won the rebounding battle 40-27, to but it felt like it probably should have been higher, right? Now, that's a credit to Manhattan, though. They were scrappy. They fought for rebounds and all of that stuff. But in, in a game where you've got such a size advantage, you'd like to see that rebounding advantage go a little bit higher than it was. Raleigh and Lazar Stefanovic both struggled a little bit, but you probably take that in this game if it helps some of these other guys like Riley and Gabe Madsen play better, and you know you can get good performances out of these guys against tougher opponents because we've seen that. And I'm still not sure David Jenkins has a defined role on this team just yet. Craig has identified him as a microwave-type player, but I think they need more from him than just one night on, one night off, another night on, to finish in this top half of the league. I really think they've got to figure out a way to get David Jenkins going earlier, give him some defined possessions that are his and his alone, or or work to get him shots out of a timeout, something. But he really does not have a defined role on this team that I can see, and I'd like to see him have more of a defined role. And finally, the pretzels from the concession stands were a little too salty. So, Mark, we got to fix that. Um, (laughs) I think that's probably it. I took my 13-year-old daughter to the game and she had a great time. So proud dad moment for me, for sure. Although she was a little bit disappointed that I didn't try a little bit harder to get on the Jumbotron. But hey, it's what happens when you bring your dad who runs a podcast that's kind of nerdy and goofy to the game. So big picture, the running Utes are now 7-3 and three with two non-conference games to go at Missouri on Saturday and then against Fresno State on Tuesday. They've got a good opportunity here to get to 9-3, and three, heading into conference play. And like I said, they could also potentially add another game and man alive, I hope they do. I know it's not likely. I know they like to give the, the boys off you know, time for the holiday break, but whew, I'd love to see them add another game. All right, when we come back, we will take a look at the game on Saturday against Missouri right after these words from one of our sponsors. Hey everybody, wanted to tell you about Registered Physical Therapists, RPT Utah. These guys are committed to getting you back to work and play fast. Their skilled physical therapists offer a wide variety of services including surgical and non-surgical orthopedic injuries, spine injuries, headache relief, balance training, and women's health. With nine locations across the Wasatch Front, they've got all your physical therapy needs covered. And with snow season now being here with Utah getting pounded with a couple of different snowstorms, Maybe you hurt your back shoveling, maybe you hurt your back skiing, whatever it is, they have got you covered. So go to their website to schedule an appointment today. It's rptutah.com. That's rptutah.com. All right, so up next for the Redden Utes, the return game that they owed the Missouri Tigers for several years. When last these two teams played, on it was on November 16th, 2017 in Salt Lake City. David Collette, remember him? He led the way for the Utes with 17 points. Michael Porter Jr. was on the bench for Missouri in this game. He was injured. And, of course, he now plays for the Denver Nuggets. And as a fun fact, nobody on the current roster 
played in that game. Now, this game was famously kicked down the road a couple of times because dates didn't line up and they didn't want to get on an airplane last year. All of these different reasons. Now, as for Missouri, they're 5-5 five and five on the season. Their best win was an overtime win over SMU on a neutral floor. Outside of that, they've really struggled. They've lost to Kansas City, Florida State, Wichita State, Liberty, and they got blown out by Kansas last week. So, hey, maybe this is a crazy like a fox move by the previous staff, but only if Utah gets the W. In fact, Missouri right now is in a position where this is almost a must win for the running Utes if they want to push towards a top half finish in the Pac-12. Missouri is ranked 153rd in Ken Palm and 262 in the net rankings. They're coached by a familiar foe, Quanzo Martin, who's just 3-6 and six against Utah in his coaching career between Cal and Missouri, and I think maybe even one previous stop to that. You may remember when he was at Cal, they had some pretty great games against the Utes, specifically in the Pac-12 tournament. Lorenzo Bonham hitting that layup at the buzzer uh, against Cal that sent Utah into the Pac-12 championship. Anyways, Missouri is ranked in the 300s in points and assists per game, and they're 134th in rebounds per game at 37 a game. Now, by contrast, Utah is in the 50s in rebounding. Again, that's going to be another key to this game. Now, as for their roster... They've got about six guys that play over 27 minutes per game, and then they have a couple other guys that play double-digit minutes per game. Who, then, is the head of the snake? Well, this one's another pretty easy one. It's Kobe Brown. Kobe's a 6'8", junior forward from Alabama. He's averaging nearly 14 points and 10 boards per game, and he's going to be a really tough matchup for the running Utes front court. He goes about 255, which means he's going to be tough on the block against Carlson, Batten, and Chun. Carlson's going to really have to use his length to bother Brown and throw him off his game. He's led the Tigers in scoring in five of their games and in rebounding in six of their games. In their backcourt, they've got Amari Davis, a 6'2 junior. He transferred in from Green Bay. He averages about 10 points per game. And then Javon Pickett, who's a bigger guard at about 6'5", and he's averaging almost 10 points per game and shoots about 40% from the field. They've also got guys like Ronnie DeGray Jr. and Dewan Gordon, who are both transfers into the program this year. Now, Missouri has really struggled to find any consistency this season. As we've noted, there are some tough losses in there, and their rankings really reflect that. But make no mistake, Missouri is going to try to use this game to get going. And they're looking at this as an opportunity to get a W. So this is a pressure spot for the running Utes, no question about it. Not to mention the fact that their next three opponents are Utah, Illinois, and Kentucky. And they're coming off of that 40-point loss to Kansas. So, again, this is, you know, Missouri's looking at this as a get-right game. No question about it. Utah could have a little bit of a size advantage depending on what kind of lineup Missouri goes with, but they do have a 7-3 center, Jordan Wilmore, ironically, who does play some minutes, so they could throw him at... Carlson to combat his size, and they do have a ton of athleticism. They move the ball quickly, all of that stuff. So this is going to be another t- game like TCU where Utah's going to face some athletes and they're going to have to really defend these guys. Like many of their games this season, this is going to come down to rebounding. It's a true road game. 
So not allowing the home team to get extra possessions and build momentum is really going to be important. This is going to sound way too simple, but they've got to work for good shots. Against TCU, they came out, they went right down to Brandon, took the early lead, and then they got away from it, and they really played themselves right out of that game, which can definitely happen on the road. Also, when you take bad shots, it leads to transition buckets. It makes things harder on defense. It makes it harder for you to lock them down, right? So that all blends together. One of the things that Larry used to talk about was making the other team take the ball out of the net, which that's one of the better points that he made when he talked about basketball, right? Like making your opponent take the ball out of the net. I think Booth Gotch needs to get to the line more and try to get to the basket. I think if both of those things happen, Utah could be in for a nice night. All that said, they need to try to get some good shots for guys like David Jenkins and Gabe Madsen, but just don't necessarily live by the three, die by the three in this game. So again, this is a big time opportunity for the Utes. It's on the road. Ignore the five and five record. Ignore their 260 something net. This is about getting a road win and that's it. Business trip, as they say. Now, what are the experts saying? Ken Palm has this as a narrow Utah win, 69-66. to 66. In, in the preseason, I believe that was flipped. I believe he had this as a win for Missouri. So his metrics have certainly turned Utah into the favorite. Now, Haslam metrics, on the other hand, has this as a win for Utah fairly comfortably, 74-61. to 61. Haslam metrics has been pretty high on Utah so far this season. So if they came out and got a 74 to 61 type victory, that would be huge for their confidence and really just huge for this team and Craig Smith and company. This game is going to be on at 2:30 Mountain on the SEC network and on ESPN Plus. So that is where you can find that game. All right. Let's take a quick spin around this upcoming weekend in Pac-12 hoops. So in the preseason, as these schedules were starting to come together, December 18th really looked like a big day for the Pac-12, Saturday, December 18th. And if you blend that into December 19th, it's it's really a big weekend for the Pac-12 in some respects. Now, because of some teams' performances, it's not as big of a weekend as maybe it could be. But let's take a look. Now, it's all going to start with the 1 p.m. Mountain Time Vegas game with UCLA and North Carolina. This is a big, big game just for the conference, especially you know having the top of one of you know the top team in the league continue to play well. But with the COVID situation at UCLA, this game is now in question. The other game on the, that CBS Sports Classic in Vegas, Ohio State and Kentucky, that's already been canceled. So Kentucky is now looking for an opponent for this weekend. And if UCLA can't get its COVID stuff together, we may see North Carolina and Kentucky instead. USC, who's ranked 10th and undefeated, they play Georgia Tech in Phoenix in the Jerry Colangelo Classic. So opportunity for them to get a win over a name opponent coming out of the ACC. We talked about Utah and Missouri. With Utah not having any top 100 wins and Missouri being 5-5, five and five, it's, it's lost a little bit of its luster but it's still a very important game for the Utes. Same with Oregon State and Texas A&M. If, if Oregon State found a way to beat Texas A&M, who's 7-2 and two on the year, that would certainly be a big boost for them and for the conference. But right now, Oregon State is in a tailspin that I'm not certain they're going to find their way out of 
anytime soon. And then Oregon hosts the number one team in the country, Baylor, on Saturday night. That game is at 8 o'clock Mountain on ESPN2. So a big opportunity for the Ducks, despite all of their struggles. Uh, They've got a chance to take out the Baylor Bears on Saturday. And then on Sunday, a couple of other intriguing games. Stanford, which had a barn burner overtime victory against Dartmouth. They host Texas. Oh, excuse me. No, they play Texas in Las Vegas as well this weekend. And one of those two teams could actually be a stand-in if something happens with the... If nothing happens with the UCLA-North Carolina game, they could play Kentucky, one of those two teams, potentially. I don't know. California hosts that same Dartmouth team that almost beat Stanford. And then Arizona State, who, like I said earlier in the podcast, they're starting to figure things out. They host San Francisco. Todd Golden, who could be a Pac-12 potential candidate this upcoming offseason. And San Francisco, who's undefeated right now out of the West Coast Conference. And the West Coast Conference has fared very well against the Pac-12 this season. So Arizona State with an opportunity here to get to 6-6 and and beat an undefeated San Francisco team. So that's a quick look at what is going on in the Pac-12 this weekend. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the Running Hoops podcast. I want to thank you for listening. You can give us a follow at Running Hoops on Twitter. You can find us wherever you get a podcast. Subscribe, download, tell your friends, catch up on some of those old episodes. Even though they have some old game previews, in there, the interviews aren't half bad, and the guests are great and have some really good stories about the running Utes. Check out the Jay Billis episode, the Dwayne Broussard episode in advance of the TCU game, Cody Fuger. There's a lot of lot of good guests that have come on and had a lot of really nice things to say about historically about the running Utes and where they think this team is going. I encourage you to check that out. But until next time, I'm Andrew Crowley. This is the Running Hoops Podcast, and as always, go Utes!